From the Ticats Audio Network, this is Speaking with the Enemy. Welcome back to Tiger Cats pregame presented by Greenworks, Andy Fantuz, Bubba O'Neill in the air chair. But first, ready to get ahead of the cold Canadian winter? Look no further than ragtag.ca. Picture yourself basking in the warm sandy shores of a tropical island where worries melt away like ice in the sun. Don't let winter hold you back. Plan ahead and beach better. Travel made easy with ragtag.ca. Well, like we always try to do, we investigate today's game from an Alouette's angle. Time for speaking with the enemy presented by ragtag.ca. To help us along, he is the voice of the Montreal Alouettes from TSN, Sean Campbell. How are you today there, sir? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day for football here at uh, Percival Molson Stadium. You know, let me get to, straight to you here. And, and just as an overlook of the franchise and where we stand here just going into the playoffs. And I know I'd asked you this question much earlier in the season, so I kind of want an update. Jason Moss is the head coach. He's really done a nice job with your team. I, I think he has. I think that the team have really bought in what he's trying to implement. I think that offensively he hasn't done exactly what he wanted or wants to do then still feeling that there's a little bit of time to do that but i think the overall feeling here is that jason moss was the right guy to come in look uh, we know what happened and then danny mochocha took over and all the assistants in montreal wanted to have a crack at in anthony calvillo byron archambault Nolthorpe. they all had interviews for the head co coaching job but jason moss kind of came in but he didn't disrupt too much of what was going well for the Alouettes. He did change the offensive scheme that he's putting in his system, but he really kept the coaches in place. And I think that there, even with the new head coach, he was able to take all the good stuff from last year for the Owls and move it into this year. So I think overall heading into the end of the season and the playoffs, I mean, depending on what happens in the playoffs, <laughs> a lot of people feel good of uh, what Jason Moss has been able to do. Now, Sean, the question's about the offense. Would those be more directed at the head coach, Jason Moss, or would some of them go towards uh, Anthony Calville as the offensive coordinator? Uh, I think I think more Jason Moss. I think Jason Moss has kind of really gotten the, 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 the grasp of that offense. And even for Anthony, he's he's trying to get into Jason Moss's head and how he wants to call. They, they work together, of course, but this is, this is Jason Moss's offense and how he wants it run and how he wants it done. It's, there's a reason why Cody Fajardo came in. There's a reason why a guy like James Tuck is part of the offense, just for blocking schemes and, and running uh, ideas. I think, you know, even for the Owls, though, you can look and say, okay, offensively, they may not be that dangerous. We know how dangerous they are defensively. But let's not overlook the injuries sustained at the wide receiver core for most of the season. They had no idea what they were, you know, they lose Eugene Lewis. They had no idea what they were getting in Austin Mack. And, they discovered something there, but even the Tyler Sneed and the Cole Speaker, it took a while for them to find their footing. Kion Julian Grant getting hurt, really hurt. Uh, Tyson Philpott hurt at the beginning of the season. He's finding his groove now. So even the, the receivers have taken a little bit longer than every other aspect of the offense to get going. So if they're ever completely healthy, I think it could possibly be dangerous. One more question on that. It, it, you look at the Owls teams in the past uh, few decades, you think that Anthony Calvillo had a big say when he was the quarterback and what was happening in that offense. With so many changes this year in the staff, um, how much impact do you think Cody Fajardo has on what is being called and what the systems are going to be? Uh, I don't know. I think it's mostly on the coaches. I'm not, I'm not sure if a lot of that is on Cody Fajardo. Now, 
the, the only thing I guess we could look at Cody Fajardo is sometimes at the beginning of the season, it was interesting. They really kept everything in check, but when they went downfield, they were successful. They had a very high rate of deep plays early on the season, but they didn't challenge deep very often. It's very conservative uh, what Jason Moss has put in to play, but now they've been going deeper a little bit longer. And then that, you know, that percentage of success is coming lower. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit of an underthrown ball, but what they have changed in the second half, and you could just look at the numbers, look overall, the numbers, Cody Fajardo has been sacked a lot, but if you look at the first eight games or the first nine games of the season versus the last eight games of the season, they've almost cut that down in half. They're, they're, they're winning the sack battles now. And I think that that's just giving a little bit more time to let those plays develop. So uh, for Cody Fajardo, I think he's grown nicely in this group, but uh, I still think that there's still room for improvement there. Yeah, um, that's fair enough. And you're talking about sacks. Uh, we got, you know, Jamal Davis now on, on the Ticats, and he, he was a guy that anytime the Ticats were playing the Owls, I had my eye on him. What what happened there? Why What what caused the release? Um, now, you know, I'm not a salary cap expert. Maybe that had a little bit uh, something to do with it uh, because, you know, I look at a lot of these teams across the league and I'm getting ready for games and, defensive linemen usually you, most teams are dressing like eight or nine and th there's so much rotation the owls kind of go a little bit differently and, and a lot of time they're only dressing six a guy like almondo sewell takes a big chunk a guy like sean lemon coming in like he takes a big chunk of that kind of salary designated to that defensive line so i think a guy like jamal davis when he came in maybe he just it was more of a numbers game i don't think it was anything to do with uh, ability. It's just that they thought that they could get a little bit more Luol Ubwak as well. The Canadian first round pick that they took out of the draft, he's really developed into a nice starter. Having a Canadian start on the defensive line is something that they've been able to do now because he got better. Special teamers and again, a bit part of the defensive line. And then he kind of won a starting job. So then they kind of looked at the money and I, I think it was more of a money and, and you know, they said that we're just going to go in a different direction. And I don't think it had anything to do with the way that he was performing i when jamal davis was here i i thought he was a very good part of that defensive line moving into the game tonight what is your sense on how the alouettes are approaching this game i'm not 100 percent sure and listening to jason moss he keeps things really tight to the chest he did say all three quarterbacks are going to play but he, i'm trying to think these two teams are going to play in the same place just an hour earlier and it's going to mean everything. So if I was Jason Moss, and I'm not, if I was the Owls, first down, I'd run the ball. Second down, I'd do a seven-yard slant to my slot back, and then I'd re rinse and repeat, and I don't care if I punt. <laughs> uh, and, and on defense, I'd probably I'd rush four, don't even blitz, just see, like, I would make it the most simple game, whereas the Ticats would go back to the film and be like, this is trash. We can't use any of this in preparation for the game. So if I was the head coach, that's how I would play the game for the Owls. It doesn't matter win or loss. You, you could say bravado and pride and all that stuff. I think the players are past that. Uh, salary cap reasons, most of the Owls starters will play. How long will they play? I'm not exactly sure. But I'm just saying, 
game plan wise, if I was a CFL head coach and I was the Owls, that's how I would play. I know it's a little different for the Ticats because you still want to get a Bo Levi Mitchell grooving a little bit. So I think that there's a little bit of a difference for the Ticats. But if I were the Owls, that's my game plan. Run, pass, punt. Run, pass, punt. No blitz whatsoever. Your favorite ice cream is vanilla? <laughs> if, if today was the day. Look, I... I do play-by-play. Play. I want excitement. I want everything. I want punt returns and kick returns. But I have very low expectations, at least from the Owls side on that part tonight. Well, you got last year, you lose you lose a, a Darius Pickett, and he goes to Toronto. He's the most outstanding defensive player nominee for the, the one of the best teams in the league. Uh, but in comes the rookie, most outstanding rookie nominee for Montreal Alouettes, Reggie Stubblefield. What can you tell us about this young kid? Reggie Stubblefield, and look, I know I watch Owls and I, I watch the CFL, but I truly think he has a really good chance of winning Rookie of the Year if anybody paid close attention to what this guy was able to do this year. And it's funny because you could probably put a put a Austin Mack there, and he probably could have had a good chance of Rookie of the Year with what he was able to do with the receiver position. But Reggie Stubblefield really didn't even make the team out of camp, but injuries flooded the defense right away. Oh, you need to go play cornerback? No problem. You need to be halfback? Okay. You need to go be uh, this uh, era's version of Chip Cox for the end of the season? Absolutely. He has been molded into Noel Thorpe's wherever he needs him. And wherever he's gone, he's been successful. And every game, he's gotten better. Because, of course, there's that learning period of coming to Canada uh, through you know the U.S. and not understanding the game. But, man, that learning period for him was so quick. And I'm sure you guys see it all the time. It takes a while for DVs, halfbacks, receivers to understand the CFL game. But for Reggie Stubblefield, I was incredibly impressed how well he adapted to different positions and how well he adapted to the game. I, I think he was, an, he was an outstanding, outstanding nominee for uh, Rookie of the Year this year. Well, if I'm looking at this team here, and you got Reggie Stubblefield at the Sam, you got Tyrese Beverett, the the MO, MOD DP for the Alouettes on on the wheel linebacker. You got Wesley Sutton and Ciante Evans beside them, and then uh, Mark An Mark An Antoine uh, Decoy behind them. Is that the strength of this team? Sort of that interior coverage uh, area of the defense. Oh, it's the defense for sure. This defense can score points. It can turn the game around. It can change field position. It can rough up a quarterback. It, it's really, they're game-changing. And it's a kind of defense that can change the momentum of the game. Things aren't going well offensively. The defense does something, and then the offense is put into a situation where they're starting from the opposite 30 or 20 in the red zone already. Uh, this team has beaten every team in the league except the top three. So you can put them at number four in the league for a reason. It's because of their defense. Their defense carries this team. One more quick one for you, Sean. Is William Stanback back to 2021 form? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's there yet. He was sick for like two weeks. His son at daycare got sick, and then it hit him hard, and then the bye week. So he hasn't played in a while. But just before uh, that happened, about a month ago, uh, he was looking as solid as he's looked all season long. He's been battling injuries. Every time I talked to him, he was like, I'm 93%, not 100. But now he's talking about 100%. So we'll see how he performs tonight. He's, he's one of the guys. For me today, the Owls, see how Stanback plays. The other one is David Cote. They've had a little bit of kicking problems down the stretch. He's back after two stints on the IR. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this uh, happens for the Owls. But yeah, Stanback, he's, he's getting there. He's getting there. But I don't know if he's there yet. Mr. Campbell, I guess this sort of late-season rivalry between the Tiger Cats and Alouettes has just begun. We will connect next week. Have a great call, my friend. Have a good one.